In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. For the past few Sundays, maybe six weeks, we've been in Luke's Gospel. A couple of months ago, I preached on Luke chapter 4, out of Luke chapter 4, where the writer of Luke, who, remember, um, writes at the very beginning of that, uh, the Gospel of Luke, um, that he is, or she, is writing an orderly account so that we, the reader, might know the truth. So in chapter 4, um, the writer of the purpose right from the beginning so that as we read the rest of the story as it unfolds, we will see what Jesus does in the context of the mission that Jesus has been sent by God to carry out. So in the Gospel of Luke, in the synagogue in Nazareth, as the very opening of his public ministry, Jesus declares that by the power of the Spirit, he will bring about a restored Israel, one that is characterised by justice and compassion to the poor. And you'll remember the story, and it occurs in Luke's Gospel immediately after Jesus has come out of the desert after his temptation following his baptism. And he comes and he goes back to Nazareth, to the synagogue that he used to go to when he was growing up. And he stands up to read and he unrolls the scroll and he reads out of Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And then before he sits down, he looks at them and he says, and today this scripture has come to pass in your presence, right? So that is very declarative. The Gospel of Luke starts with that declaration, that transformation, that change is coming. And it sets the context for all that the writer of Luke lays out for us that follows on. Now, in the online Bible that I use, um, and on quite a lot of um, print Bibles, you'll see that um, uh, sometimes they have those little headings through Scripture that are like little subtitles that describe the event uh, in Jesus' ministry that follows. And as I looked through my, my... Gospel of Luke um, this last week or so, as I looked at the episodes in Jesus' ministry that Luke's Gospel records that run from the end of that proclamation in the synagogue that I just read to where we are today in the Gospel, this is what you see. Jesus goes and heals the man with an unclean spirit. He heals first Simon's mother-in-law, Nick. This is the next moment. It's healings at Simon's house. And others hear about that and they come and Jesus heals them. Jesus then calls the first disciples away from their boats, away from their life to come and follow him. Jesus goes and cleanses, heals a leper. Jesus heals a paralytic. Jesus calls Levi the tax collector that no one wanted to be friends with because of what he did for a job. He heals the man with the withered hand. Then there's a block, a short little block, where Jesus teaches and heals a whole bunch of folks. 
Then we come to the sermon on the plain that Charles um, preached about last week. The blessings and the woes that's headed up as. Then there is the piece that Michael preached on last week where Jesus talks about love for enemies and the perils of judging others. Now there's a couple of little bridgy bits that I left out there where Jesus is um, having a bit of raru-raru with the, um, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Um, and, but actually it's interesting that if you look at those little interactions, they're not actually concerned about what Jesus is doing. They're more concerned about when Jesus is doing doing these things and whom to whom he is doing those things with. Right? That's what the authorities are finding offensive. It's the when and the who, not the what. But all those other things are incidences where Jesus challenges people to change the direction of their life and to follow him on a new way. There are healings where Jesus heals people in body, mind and spirit. And that healing, that act of restoration, both heals them physically, but it also releases them from the exclusion that they are experiencing because of the condition, their illness. And then we come to the Sermon on the Plain that Charles preached about a couple, uh, two weeks ago. The blessings and the woe. Blessed are the poor, the hungry and those who weep, and woe to the rich, the full and those who are laughing now. And what you see in the um, Sermon on the Plain is a snapshot of the human condition, a condition that perpetuates injustice and inequality. But then immediately following that, Jesus offers a way out. Jesus offers a path of transformation. And in Scripture it says, Jesus said, listen, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And if anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you. And if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. And then we are at today's gospel at that point, where Jesus issues us with a rhetorical call to self-awareness. Can the blind lead the blind? Can you not see the log in your own eye? And then it goes into a fruit, a tree and its fruit. No good tree, good fruit, bad tree, bad fruit. And then he talks, then the next piece in Luke is the, um, the foundation bit. You know, two foundations, rock, sand, and the results. So as I was looking at that reading, having done a quick survey of Luke and thought about Charles's sermon and Michael's sermon, Today's reading made more sense to me if I slightly rearranged the sequence of events. So instead of, I've changed it round a bit. So it, it, what we read went, blind person, guide a blind person, good tree, good fruit, 
two foundations. Okay, that was the, that's how it's listed in scripture. But for me today, it's making more sense if I read it like this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and acts on them. That one is the man building a house who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood arose, the river burst against that house but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like the man who built the house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, immediately it fell, and great was the ruin of that house. He also told them this parable, Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Lent begins on Wednesday. And in our reading today, Jesus is exhorting us to act on what he has revealed, to build a transformed world grounded on the foundation of our own transformed lives, a transformation that will be revealed in us through our actions. A good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good. Lent is a season of self-reflection. This Lent, we are surrounded by circumstances where it is all too easy for us, for our first response to be a demand for change in others. It is all too easy at this time to locate the source of our unhappiness in another. If only they would change. If only, then all would be well. They should do something. But what do our words, our prayers, reveal of the abundance of our heart? How do we characterise those who disagree with us? Those whose actions we find morally reprehensible? Whether it relates to a pandemic or to a war, the rock of our faith, the foundation of the transformation we are called to work in ourselves and in the world, 
is grounded on Jesus' exhortation to us to love our enemies, to do good, to lend expecting nothing in return. Jesus also says in that same scripture, if you do this, your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. For God is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful. Be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. Lent begins on Wednesday. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbours. It seems at the moment, at every turn and every conversation I am in, that I feel the prevailing current pushing against me, a current of condemnation, a current of derision, a current of scorn directed at protesters or the Russians. And I wonder, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I am reminded that figs are not gathered from thorns and nor are grapes from a bramble bush as I join in in that current. But Lent begins on Wednesday and I wonder how can I resist? Lent is a discipline, an action that we choose to participate in. Jesus said, I'll show you what someone is like who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them. That is like the man building a house who laid the foundation on rock. So when the flood rose and the river burst against the house, it could not shake it because it had been well built. Lent is a time where our disciplines attempt to focus us back on that foundation. My Lenten challenge, our Lenten challenge, is to actively seek to replace in ourselves, replace the condemnation, the derision and the scorn with love and blessing and generosity and mercy. And that is really hard to do. But as I have considered Luke's Gospel over these last few weeks, I don't think we have any other choice. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit, figs are not gathered from thorns, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of the heart, produces good, and the evil person, out of evil treasure, produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Amen.